today we are continuing in our series through the book of, of Jonah. And I wasn't here last Sunday because I was fulfilling some volunteer duties with a, a local pony baseball board that I sit on. I was right up the road at the, the, the YMCA. Uh, and I'm thrilled that our middle school director, Matt Pardee, was able to be here uh, with you all to preach. Last week we were in the second chapter of Jonah and Matt spent some time inviting us to reflect on, on that well-known part of Jonah's story. The part when he's in the belly of the fish. He compared what Jonah experienced to the Hebrew word Sheol. A word that's used elsewhere in the Old Testament to describe a, a, a deep darkness or even death. And, and he shared that when we're in those places... When we're in those places where it just feels like there's nothing, and we're in those places, God's grace shows up. We can experience God's grace in those places. You may or may not have caught it, but the offertory from Ed and our praise team last week, it told a part of the story, it told some of what may have been going on in Jonah's mind from a, a little bit different perspective. It was a, a song that, that was written by a band named The Newsboys, and it was made popular by a TV show called The Veggie Tales. Does anybody remember Veggie Tales? All right. It was made, made, made well known by, by Veggie Tales. And uh, there's a line that you may or may not have picked up, but it starts like this Up to my ears in bitter tears. Can't believe I've sunk this low as I walk the plankton inner sanctum. Got a got out of Dodge, sailed on a bond, <laughs> bondless bond voyage. You said north, I headed south, tossed overboard. Good Lord, that's a really large mouth. I'm sleeping with the fishes here in the belly of the whale. I'm highly nutritious here in the belly of the whale. I know I didn't do it justice there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When Jonah cries out to the Lord in prayer, we're given a, a, a picture who is in deep, of a person who is in deep pain. It's as if he, he could sense, of course, that something was, was happening. Something was, was off. It was uncomfortable. And he knew that he was in a bad place. And yet, at the end of the prayer in Jonah chapter 2, he, he prays, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. And now, in this deep, dark place, I'm worshiping you. Now, I'm calling out in thanksgiving. In a lot of ways, I think Jonah's prayer is the closest thing we have to, to some of what's written in Psalm 22, which of course, is the psalm that Jesus quotes when he's, he's on the cross. The difference is, I think, that Jesus, Jesus knew what was happening, but he still was in that space where he felt abandoned, where he felt he was, where he didn't feel he was in a, a, a dark spot. So he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, Matt referred to that as that, that Sheol moment. Why? I'm alone. As, and as Matt said, it's often in those places when we're hurting, when we're alone, that God's grace is realized, that God's grace is experienced. Now, it's fascinating to me that God both provides the fish to swallow Jonah, 
and then also commands the fish to spit him out. It's a, it's a great picture of how grace providing the fish and mercy giving a second chance often go hand in hand with one another. Jonah washes up on shore, and while I think it's safe to say that by that point God had his uh, attention, I still think he had to be a bit confused. What in the world was happening? God was showing up everywhere. When he ran toward Tarshish, God was there. When he was on the boat, asleep, God was there. When he was in the belly of the beast in the sea, yep. God was there as well. And now on the shore, after being spit up, God is there. Now chapter 3 of Jonah, it begins with this, this kind of nonchalant transition. But I, I have to believe, it's, it's not as simple as what's, what's written here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I have to believe that in the middle of that is, God, what in the world are you doing? What, what, what is happening here? So starting at Jonah chapter 3, we read, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the, pat- the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So after our service today and... uh, uh, after our service today during our congregational meeting, we'll be presenting our 2022 annual reports. And if you get our weekend email, it was actually in that uh, email as, as well. You got it yesterday. So how many of you have already read it cover to cover? Only one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now, we often we, we, were, we treat these reports like an obligation or sometimes even like a, a homework assignment. You know, oh, we just gave the church 30 pages of, of homework. I don't expect you to memorize it, but there will be a quiz next Sunday. Really, the purpose of this report is twofold. It's to document where we stand as a church. It serves as a historical document of what happened in 2022. But more importantly, in my mind, it celebrates what God did in and through WPC. So I do encourage you to spend some time with it. You don't have to read through it in one sitting cover to cover. You don't have to memorize it. But it tells a story. It tells a narrative of what happened in our church this last year. One of the highlights that I wrote about in in my portion of the report was our return to Mexico with the Moore Ministries. I shared some about it last fall when we got back. I, I grew up building houses in, in Tijuana, and it's something our church did for a, for a long, long time. And then we took a break for a while, and then we were able to, to return to it last year. Now, at first, before we went, I shared this last fall, I was, I was apprehensive about the trip. Nervous about taking my daughter. Nervous about the logistics. Nervous to see if we could actually put together a team to make it all happen. But it all worked out. I came back from 
that weekend with a, a renewed sense of, oh yeah, oh, that's what being the church is about. Oh, it, it took me stepping out of my day to day to remember, to remember what the church is about. It reminded me of just how much God does when we step into a new place or a new situation and open ourselves to what God is already doing in that place. Toward the end of our long first day of work in Mexico, I had a conversation with one of the local Amor staff members. He was, he was absolutely thrilled to have Westminster back again. After nearly a year and a half of limited to no travel from churches north of the border, uh, their summer and, and their spring, before we went in September, had, had almost returned back to normal. Churches were coming again to build. Now I asked, so what did you all do during the COVID shutdown? What did you do when churches couldn't travel across the border to build houses? You, you just sit around and he, he, he chuckled and he said, no, we were busier than ever. I said, what do you mean you were busier than ever? He said, people still needed houses. And Amor was committed to building those houses. They just had to adapt and to learn how to provide that shelter in a different way. So churches from, from the United States and from around the world provided funding and the local Amor staff from Mexico built the houses. And it shouldn't come as a surprise, but they built them way more efficiently than they do when there's a bunch of pastors around with a hammer. Those are my words, not his. The conversation was a, a great reminder that God was on the move in Tijuana with Amor whether or not any of our teams are there. The entire point of us going is stepping into what God is already doing. It's a concept that's easy to grasp when we think of, of mission trips or retreats, but it's really true in everyday life. When you drive into your neighborhood after church today, God is already at work there. When you go to the grocery store, God is already at work there. When I was on the baseball field last weekend at the YMCA, God was at work there. And believe it or not, Calvin, when you walk into math class at high school, yeah, even in math, God is at work in that space. We just have to pay attention. We just have to open our eyes to what God might be doing. When Jonah is called to Nineveh for the second time, that's what's happening. He's saying, oh, you've got my attention now. I'll listen. Now, it's easy to think, well, of course he did. Look, look at everything that, that happened. And I'm, I'm guessing there's been more than one occasion in each of our lives where, where it took a while for something to sink in. I shared about that a couple weeks ago uh, with my story and, and feeling called to Malawi. It took months and months and dozens of phone calls over those months before I kind of said, oh, maybe this is what's happening. Sometimes it just takes a while. My guess is that's how it was here for Jonah. 
We're not told that he had a big change of heart for the Ninevites. That all of a sudden something snapped and he said, oh, they're great people. Not at all. But something changes. His eyes are open. Again, we're not told that his heart changes, that he says, oh, they're great people, or, or even that, that he's enthusiastic about going. But we know that God has his attention and that he responds. In our first reading this morning that Faith read from the book of Acts, we're, we're told about the church in Antioch. The church in, in, in Jerusalem, it, it gets wind that, that Greeks in Antioch are, are turning to Christ in droves. So the leaders, they get excited and they say, what? Well, this is Antioch? No. Really? We've got to send, we've got to send some leaders there to find out what's actually happening because Antioch is not Jerusalem. Antioch's different. God's really on the move there. And so they send Barnabas to check it out, and when he arrives, it's clear that, that God was stirring, that the Spirit of God was, was stirring, that God was present. And his role was to encourage the people in Antioch to keep listening, to keep going, to continue to experience God's grace where they were. And Barnabas, he goes and he sees it, and he gets so excited that he says, yeah, i got to go get Saul. Saul's got to come and see what's happening in Antioch too. And they spend a year there. A year learning. A year growing in faith. A year serving others. A year celebrating what God was doing in that community. Now it's important that we see here that Saul and Barnabas, they they didn't show up and bring God to the church. God was already there. God was already moving there. They just accepted the invitation to be a part of what God was doing through the church. I love that Luke writes that it's Antioch where where followers of Christ are first called Christians. It's a Greek community. Totally different than the culture in Jerusalem. And God was moving there and shaping people there. Paul and Barnabas, they, they show up in Antioch and they, they see all that's happening. And it's a great reminder that God moves in places before we arrive and we are invited to step into the journey with others. When we started this series, I invited you to, to sit down and, and read the book of Jonah in one sitting. It's shorter than our annual report. You can do it. You, you can do it. It's only four pages long, four chapters long. Um, and and, and part, part of it is so we can pick up what we see here. Uh, of course, a lot happened between Jonah's first and second call to Nineveh. There's a lot that happened. I'm not denying that. He, he had likely learned a lesson or two while on the ship or, or in the belly. And as God speaks to him the second time, we see how God's mercy is on display. But there's a subtle difference. In the first chapter of Jonah, he's invited to to preach against the Ninevites. And from what we know about Jonah's thoughts about Nineveh, if he were to preach there, preaching against them would have enthused him. He didn't like them. Preaching against them made a, a lot of sense. But in the third chapter, in what we just read, he's invited to preach to them. Not against them. 
to them. It's a subtle difference, but it's, it's an important one. He knew he was bringing a message of repentance. There's a difference between showing up and yelling, You're terrible! You're awful people! You represent everything wrong in the world and God is out to get you. Preaching against. And gently saying, Hey, God has given me this message to share. It's not going to be a comfortable one. But I've still been tasked to share it nonetheless. Y'all need to start doing some things a little different. Tone and delivery matter. Whether you're preaching, whether you're talking with neighbors, whether you're having a, a difficult conversation with a family member, whether you're in an intense meeting, tone and delivery matter. When Jonah finally arrives in Nineveh, he, he spends an entire day telling everyone who will listen that the city will be overthrown in 40 days. Not an easy message to deliver. We don't know if he begins by meeting with city officials, if he goes to places where idols are worshipped, or if he stands on street corners as the crazy outcasts spit out from the, the fish. We just know that he delivered the message. In Hebrew, the message is five words. In most English translations, it's eight. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, I don't consider myself to be a long-winded preacher. Some of you might disagree. Um, but, but most Sundays, I share somewhere around 3,000 words. Jonah shared five or eight. Short to the point. Another reminder that God is going to do what God is going to do. And our job is to just show up. We're going to get more into the Ninevites' response next week. But at the end of Jonah in chapter 4, we're, we're given the idea that he's almost, not almost, he is disappointed with their response. It's as if even after he experienced God's grace and God's mercy himself, that he secretly wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. It was a shock to him. He still, even after all he had been through, that God was moving in Nineveh. It was the last place that God would move in, in Jonah's mind, and yet God was there. So this week, continuing into this year, you are going to find yourself in a variety of places. I am going to find myself in a variety of places, all kinds of situations. And when we step into those places, whether it's the ordinary places, whether it's extraordinary places, whether it's locally, whether it's abroad, wherever it may be, we need to remember that God is already doing something in that space. May we be a church community that keeps our eyes, ears, and hearts open. And as we move throughout our days, may we look for the ways in which God is moving and say, hey, how might we be involved? Let's pray. Holy God, sometimes it's hard to see what's happening around us. It's hard to notice what's happening under the surface. Help us to be a people who, who pay attention, who consciously look for the ways you are on the move, 
And when we see or experience evidence of your spirit, give us the courage to jump in with our whole selves. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.